Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Black Hawks Live. Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun, getting along, and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. Well, when things don't go quite as planned for seven straight games, some changes are probably necessary, and that's exactly what Luke Richardson is planning on implementing in this Blackhawks team. Some different line changes we saw at practice today as the Blackhawks gear up for a big matchup Wednesday night, welcoming in the Edmonton Oilers. How's it going, everyone? I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN, taking you up to 8 o'clock tonight as we get you set up for the Blackhawks' upcoming week. Again, they're going to be hosting Edmonton on Wednesday, so Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Vander Kane, they all come back to the United Center Wednesday night. It's a later puck drop. It's a national broadcast, but don't forget, you can always get every game here on 720 WGN, and that'll be the only local broadcast of that matchup before the Blackhawks head out east for their New York road trip this upcoming weekend. Today at practice, it was what both Patrick Kane and Luke Richardson called one of the most intense practices all year long. There was some lineup switching. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves now on the same top line with Andreas Athanasiu, and as Brett Jackson, one of our engineers, reminded me, Joel Quinville coined it once a few years back, the nuclear option. And it seems like Luke Richardson now is trying to get a taste of that as well, just to try to get things going offensively for the Blackhawks that have been on a bit of a spell. The last game was probably one of the roughest ones to dissect, a 7-2 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. The Hawks really had a tough time against Winnipeg for the second straight time that they have faced them. Again, they haven't picked up a win in their last seven games. It's going to be a tall mountain to climb to do that against Edmonton on Wednesday. However, the last time they faced the Edmonton Oilers, it was a pretty fun, competitive game until Connor McDavid decided to go ahead and get a hat trick and end up beating the Blackhawks 6-5. to By the way, that Edmonton game last night with the Florida Panthers, I do want to get into that one as well. That was very, very entertaining hockey late at night. But uh, hopefully the Blackhawks can do the same on Wednesday against Edmonton. Jack Heinrich is our producer. The Blackhawks are coming off Sunday's loss to Winnipeg. Their next game is against Edmonton, so that leaves two days. They had the off day yesterday. They had practice today. Uh, morning skate tomorrow to probably tinker these top two lines a little bit more. Again, it's Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Andreas Athanasiu on the top line, which moves the second line to Philip Kurashev, Max Domi, and Taylor Radish. It's going to be interesting to see how both of those lines gel, and I really am, a, I feel a little bit bad for Kane, Athanasiu, and Domi because I do feel like they have been generating a lot more chemistry as of late. Unfortunately, no one can really say that with affirmation unless you start scoring some goals. And it almost looked like Athanasiu was going to pick up a goal, the first goal of the game in Sunday night's game against Winnipeg. They later had to overturn the call. It was offsides. It was the correct call. But you are starting to see a little bit more crisp passing from that trio. Unfortunately, 
not many goals to come from it. Here's Luke Richardson talking about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves being reunited, gearing up for Edmonton, and a few other things when he met with the media after practice today. I'm trying to be positive to him. I just tell him the truth. You know, when it's not good, it's just not good. But you don't beat them down on it. You just you have to point it out and show how to correct it. And then just be repetition to till we get that corrected. Same thing on the good side. Like, we got to show them the good games and the good clips and uh, enjoy it and praise them. But we can't take the foot off because that momentum could change again. And it's always hard to switch it back like when you have a momentum whether it's good or bad if you're flying doesn't seem like anything goes wrong and you can win games maybe that you shouldn't because you do have confidence and a lot of momentum and then it goes the other way and we've seen that both this year the line changes is it putting Kane and Taves together just kind of something up? Yeah, try it. I'm sure it's been done before, but I haven't done it, so uh, let's try it, and you know, I think that's the makes the most sense. I think saw a lot of speed out of both those lines in practice today, and let's see what they're going to be able to bring in the game. I know McDavid and Dreisaitl are back together. When they played here last, they were separate. Does that change your approach at all? Not really, because I know, like, after uh, a penalty kill, I know Dreisaitl kills and stuff. Like, sometimes they double them up, even when they're not playing together, so you always have to be watching that for that, and it's easier at home than on the road. But you know what? We just have to make sure collectively as a team, they're going to play a lot. So sometimes if you line match, you might drain your lineup or keep guys on the bench and out of the game because you're trying to match them. And, uh, you know, they're smart players. They sometimes change on the fly and quickly. So I think what it is is we just have to look at our game and make sure that we're taking care of business and make them work for everything. Like we need to bump them all game long, get in front of them, slow them down, even when they don't have the puck. And it's hard to do, but if you can do it earlier before they get going, it's a lot easier and uh, they get pissed off really. You know, I've seen it before and they're human and uh, we just got to make sure we're consistent at it for the whole game and, and making sure we're very mindful of what we're doing with the puck. Managing that puck is going to be huge. I say it almost every game, but games against extremely dangerous, probably the two most dangerous guys in the league. You have to really pay attention where you're, what you're doing with that puck and where you're putting it. I will say that whenever the Blackhawks have a rough performance like they did on Sunday against Winnipeg, they do respond well in the following game. I know they're on a seven-game spell right now, but even with the rough loss in Dallas, they came out with, even though a sleepy start against the Montreal Canadiens, they were able to muscle out a point, nearly two points. Uh, The rough game in Boston replied with... A 3 nothing comeback over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Couldn't close out the victory, but the effort was still there. So I do think that this team is capable of having a good turnaround against a team like Edmonton, even though Edmonton is so powerful and talented and very, very fun to watch. Again, I want to get into that game from last night. We'll do that in the next segment. But really quick, I wanted to point out, too, that not only is this the first time that Taves and Kane are reuniting on the same top line this season, but... Let's take into effect the year that Jonathan Taves has had compared to the past two seasons. This is the first time that you're seeing Jonathan Taves do Jonathan Taves-like things being paired up with Patrick Kane again. So maybe that will just spark a little bit more fire in this team's offense. I know Kane's on a bit of a rough spell too, but I don't think that's limiting his production offensively in in terms of making things happen. I know the goals aren't where he'd like it to be. Uh, I do think that that is a, a little bit of the inability for that top line, that former top line of Kane, Domi, and Athanasiu to just fully click. They're getting there, but they aren't quite there yet. That's why 
Luke Richardson feels the need to switch some things up. But we'll also hear from Patrick Kane uh, talk about that as well. There are more things I want to get to. And by the way, Blackhawks Live is sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get. I want to hear from, or rather, I want you to hear from Patrick Kane about what he thinks about being reunited with Jonathan Taves on that top line. And I want to get into Edmonton's last game against Florida as well. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. A few of the Blackhawks injuries we should update you on. Luke Richardson addressing them earlier today with the media. Uh, Alex Stalock still dealing with a concussion. Uh, Richardson went on to say today that he's been progressing well, but in the last two days the trainers have decided to pull back a little bit on his progression. And uh, Richardson also pointing out how much of an energy guy that Alex Stalock is. So maybe him at 80% might be enough for the rest of us, but also pointing out that the Blackhawks are missing that energy. In terms of uh, some other everyday guys, Jared Tenorti and Sam Lafferty are still probably in need of another week. Tenorti out with hip injury. Richardson and the staff waiting on the injury update there from the trainers and Sam Lafferty dealing with a back injury and his progress is slower than anticipated. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Want to talk about last night's game out in Edmonton, the Oilers against the Florida Panthers, obviously two very talented teams, two powerhouse teams, and uh, man, got a good look at Edmonton's power play in that game, and I swear At one point in the third period when Edmonton had a man advantage, I mean, every pass was crisp, right tape to tape. Everyone knew where everyone was at all points. I mean, you really get to see what a good power play is when you see Edmonton with a man advantage. And I think they're still currently tied for second in the NHL. They might might have moved up after last night's game. But anyway, I think at one point in the third period power play that they had, they might have had more shots on goal than Florida actually even touched the puck. That's just how talented they are, how in sync they are offensively. Um, But to a gambling aspect of the game, Florida takes a 3-2 lead. And Edmonton had thought that it should have been a high-sticking penalty and definitely learned a couple of things watching last night's game. A lot of people understand the high-sticking penalty when the puck goes right into the goal. If the stick is above the crossbar and the puck goes into the goal, it gets overturned. But there's a couple semantics to that rule, one of them being it's where the puck hits the stick. If the puck hits the stick above the crossbar and goes in, then it's overturned. But say someone's got their stick up above the crossbar and the puck goes off, I don't know, in between your hands or maybe on the shaft of the stick, the the, the bottom of the handle, and it goes in, then it's not technically a high stick. The weird thing I learned last night was Florida took a 3-2 lead on a play where one of the Panthers was right in the crease, lifted up his stick, made contact with the puck, knocked it down, and then a few passes went around, and then Florida scored. So Jay Woodcroft, the Edmonton Oilers head coach, went ahead and challenged it for a high-sticking penalty, and I'm looking at the replay, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's clearly a high stick. The stick's above the crossbar. But it actually comes down to, in that instance, the stick being above or below the shoulders. If it if where the puck hits the stick and it's below the shoulders and it isn't about the puck directly resulting into a goal, if it just resumes play, it can be it, it can be allowed if it's underneath your shoulders. So it was just very complicated and I, I talked with a few people about it 
at practice today, Colby Cohen being one of them, because in my mind, the high-sticking penalty should be universal, right? It should just be crossbar. Crossbar and that's it. But it's different from when the puck goes straight into a goal on a high stick or further play happens after a high stick. And again, I I thought the whole purpose of a high-sticking penalty was so that guys aren't just flailing their sticks around. Um, But there there is a difference between a high stick on just a normal play and a high stick that results exactly into a goal. Anyway, Edmonton's down 3-2 to two with like nine minutes left in that third period. And I, I figure, you know, Edmonton had, had already looked pretty good with the man advantage. They're all already a good team. Why not take a gamble here and make a live bet on Edmonton winning this game straight up? Through a very, very small wager on it, Edmonton ends up tying up the game with 9.6 seconds left. I, or I, I think even less, actually. They had a face-off in 9.6 seconds. But uh, they had committed a penalty. They were shorthanded. Then Florida had committed a penalty like 40 seconds later. So it went four on four, and then Edmonton was going to get a man advantage. They end up generating some momentum. Then they pull their goalie. So they're going to have a man advantage to end regulation unless they tie it up. They tied it up. Edmonton's that good. And even that much better with a man advantage. So something to keep an eye out for in Wednesday, in tomorrow night's game. The Hawks need to be responsible in terms of avoiding... Uh, the penalty box, otherwise things are going to get out of hand quite quickly. But then Edmonton goes on and and wins in overtime, and nice little payout. But again, it's just, if you are gambling responsibly, keep an eye out for those live bets. Where it's a good team, only down by a goal, it might be favorable to check out those odds for a small wager like that. Made like 22 bucks on a $5 bet. Again, not changing lifestyles at all. But it's uh, it's worth looking into. Wanted to bring up what Patrick Kane thinks about playing with Jonathan Taves once again. Here's number 88. We played together before, so I kind of know his, his tendencies and uh, what he likes to do out there and where he's good on the ice. Even with Max, you know, I think we've kind of been snake bitten a little bit. You know, we've had some looks, we've had some chances. It just hasn't went in for us, so um, hopefully we can get some bounces and get back on track. Is it just kind of the idea of just changing things up to like kind of change it up and see if that's something? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, you probably have to ask Luke that, but uh, probably something along those lines. I know David and Dryside are, are back together. What, what yeah. challenges does it present when they are together and when they're not? Um, I mean, obviously, when they're together, you have to be pretty aware when one another has a puck because they're always looking for that other guy, right? So you got to be aware of where that next guy is. And, um, you know, you watch them when they play together. They really don't get beat on too many shifts. You know, it seems like they always have the puck. They're always in the offensive end, so probably more of a patient game against them. When they're apart, I mean, you just have uh, kind of that one-two punch, right? You're probably mashing two lines and Instead of just one line, so it's probably a little bit more uh, aware when both those guys on the ice at separate times. So Kane referencing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl once again returning to the United Center. I, I should point out, I said earlier, Evander Kane returning to the United Center. Obviously, Evander Kane is still nursing that really rough injury he had earlier this month where Pat Maroon's skate blade cut him in a real bad spot on the wrist, and then he just went racing over to the tr- uh, to the bench and then eventually went into the trainer's room. Very scary moment. Um, luckily, everything had, had been okay after that, but uh, Evander Kane out three to four months after that bit of an injury. Um, Kane mentioned it right there in talking about being a little snake-bitten with Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, again, I-, I feel like it's just a little bit unfortunate that that line hadn't been finishing as well as I do think that they could have recently. 
you're starting to see the chemistry work between those three. You're starting to see those passes um, get tape to tape. You're starting to see guys anticipating where the other person's going to be, but unfortunately just having some trouble finishing off some plays. And I do honestly think that part of that is some of those guys just being too fast for their own good. We know how fast Athanasiu is. Max Domi and Kane also quick guys playing with a lot of energy, a lot of explosiveness, and uh, unfortunately couldn't really hit it all on the numbers right away. But I still think that there was some time. And Sunday's game was a great example of it, too. We talked about the goal that was overturned. But also there was another instance where Athanasiu was in the slot and just kicked the puck over to Patrick Kane in the far corner. I mean, I know Athanasiu played a little soccer, but still, the ability for him to pull off a solid pass like that in the moment just shows how close they are to getting successful, but how far away that it is from just getting that extra notch. Seth Jones comes next. David Jennings has your news next, 720 WGN. Here's Seth Jones with a shot. He scores! (laughs) Seth Jones from the top of the right circle. He beats Ottinger cleanly. And the Blackhawks have tied the score at one for Seth Jones. That's his first goal of the season. Welcome back to the lineup, Seth Jones. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live here on WGN Radio. We're sitting down with number four, Seth Jones of the Chicago Blackhawks. And Seth, I know you've had a couple of games now to get reacclimated after missing some time with the injury. Are you feeling as comfortable, feeling as confident as you're looking out there right now? Yeah, uh, my first game back was in Dallas, so I got to play that in front of some family and friends, and um, I put one in the net there, so I felt good about that, and um, it's nice when I was out for the three, three and a half weeks, I was able to skate almost every day and keep my legs going, and um, I was able to stick handle, I just couldn't shoot, so uh, my hands were kind of going a lot, and I was out there with Brian Keane and uh, working on some things, so I think that helped the transition back into the game, so I still had my my breath and my legs under me, um, but I'm just looking to build every game I'm playing here now. After all that unfortunate timing, it did seem kind of like some good timing. Like you said, get back home, your home area, and play that game. Were you able to utilize any family time around the Thanksgiving holiday? I was. Uh, so the night before, I saw you know mom and grandma and all them. Then they obviously were at the game. I saw them after the game. And then my mom actually flew in uh, Thursday morning, so Thanksgiving Day. Um, and so we yeah, cooked some food, uh, relaxed, ate some dinner, and she actually left this morning. So she was here for the weekend and saw a few games. And uh, she was happy because Caleb scored on, uh, I think, played Sunday. Next day, yeah. So he scored the next day. And um, so she, she says she needs to come back more often now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like she takes in a lot of games, no? Uh, she comes here a few times a year uh, whenever she can. Uh, she's got a lot going on as well back in Dallas. So. Um, whenever we kind of have a home stand, she'll be in for for a game or two. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I gotta ask that first or uh, the last game you and Caleb in the penalty box together. Yeah. Is that the first time that's ever happened? I think it's the first time. I don't think it happened last year uh, that I can remember. Uh, you know, obviously we don't want to see that again. But uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. I'm sure my mom loved it. She said, and, <laughs> um, "Yeah, definitely a good memory." Can you even think back to maybe you guys are both put in timeout at the same time? That probably happened a lot. That probably happened a lot. Uh, we were always going at it with each other uh, in battles and uh, getting each other in trouble all the time when we were growing up. I want to talk a little bit more about your upbringing. Obviously, your dad and the big presence of basketball in your life. But in Wikipedia, I don't know, this could be wrong or not, said that one of the first times you got involved with hockey was your dad was introducing you to Joe Sackick and uh, brought up the idea of taking skating lessons. Do you remember anything about that encounter? 
Um, it was actually my dad was uh, in uh, the Pepsi Center at the time, yeah. and uh, he was walking in the building working for the Nuggets and walked by Sackick. I wasn't there, okay. uh, but Sackick gave him advice uh, on what to do to get us involved in hockey. And I said, get him a skating lessons first. So me, Caleb, and my older brother started at the same time. Uh, took skating lessons for a whole year before we even started playing hockey. Uh, so that really helped us, I think, get into the game and, and learn the fundamentals of, of skating before we even started playing hockey. Do you remember how challenging it was to, to try and learn um, to skate? You know, I, I kind of do. Uh, it wasn't, you know, obviously it's not the easiest thing. I think you pick it up, you know, the more we were going in, yeah. into lessons and things like that. Uh, but we took lessons from a figure skater, uh, just, you know, not figure skating lessons, but it was more the edge work and the crossovers, the backward skating, the forward skating. Uh, so just the fundamentals of how to, um, you know, how to stop and do all that stuff. So um, I think that really helped um, helped us all, helped me especially, because uh, skating is such a big part of the game these days. I feel like that had to have been a cool experience for your dad, too, who obviously grew up and involved so much in one sport and then learning a different one with the luxury of getting to be around you guys so much. Did, did you ever put that into perspective at all? Uh, a little bit. You know, it's uh, sometimes you think about if you have kids, you know, if they play a different sport, how that may feel and how he felt. Um, but I, he never pushed us into basketball. Um, you know, basketball was always a big part of our life. Uh, we, we watched it all the time. We went, you know, to his practices and he was playing and coaching growing up. Uh, so we were around a lot of NBA players and always shooting hoops and things like that. But we never really picked it up. Um, Caleb played uh, a year in middle school. Um, and then my older brother, Justin, played maybe a year or two uh, growing up as well. <clears throat> but I never played organized ball. Um, we love still going, even today, going and shooting hoops at Lifetime Fitness in the summer or uh, playing pickup basketball, which gets pretty heated <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, so we still have fun doing that. Do you, uh, do you follow the NBA at all? I do. Yeah, I do fantasy or do you get favorite team no, obviously with, with your no dad fantasy but um i love just watching basketball um you know the game's kind of it's a lot different than when i was growing up there's a lot of three-pointers now and that's kind of what the fans want to see yeah. so uh, a lot of up and down high scoring games but uh you know i love watching obviously some of the best players in the world you know kevin Durant, and curry and these guys uh, anytime you see one of those superstars you're kind of just your attention is drawn to them taking a lot of bulls games I've been to uh, two Bulls games last year, and I went to a Bulls game this year. My dad was here. Uh, the Nuggets just played him a couple, couple yeah. weeks ago, I think, when I was yeah, hurt. Yeah. Um, so he was in town, got to have dinner with him, and I went to the game. I know we were talking last year a little bit about you getting acclimated to Chicago. Uh, you're a big foodie, right? You, you like to try a bunch of different places. Any places sticking out lately for you? Um, you know, I, there's a couple that I haven't tried yet. I've tried, uh, like, Alavita is a great spot, good Italian. Um, you know, there's a lot of places in the West Loop that I haven't tried. Um, Gino Marty's is a new Italian pop-up that's kind of, I think, it's open this summer. Uh, but that's a great spot as well. Uh, then all the places in Gold Coast, I mean, you know, Maple. and I like Gibson Steakhouse as well, old school vibes in there. And uh, So yeah, those are pro- probably my favorites so far. What else do you like about Chicago? Um, I think I just like the vibe of, of uh, Chicago. Um, downtown's great. It's lively. And, uh, you know, you can walk around. You kind of get what, what you need down there. A lot of coffee shops, a lot of just things to do, things, sites to see. So um, I haven't been to the Bean yet. I still need to go wow. to the Bean. It's been <laughs> over a year now. So 
I still need to check that out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when, when we have days off and stuff, it's nice to just get out of the house. And well, the being still a touristy thing, so yeah. you're no longer a tourist. Exactly. <laughs> um, talking with Seth Jones here on Blackhawks Live. I, I do want to know more about taking that picture with Hosa, and uh, it just seemed like such a cool, unique thing to be a part of because it wasn't just Blackhawks of the dynasty and Blackhawks greats of the '90s. It was current Blackhawks, and you know, but it, it seemed to be kind of icons in this organization so far what did it mean t- for you to be part of something like that i mean it was um, it was obviously a, an honor when i saw the letter and uh that the hostess uh, and his foundation sent and wanted me to be a part of the photo and um you know i obviously couldn't say no to that and it's just to be there with like you said um, some of the the most iconic players that this organization's seen and and uh put on the blackhawks sweater um past and current is uh, something special to be a part of. Uh, and then I actually have a couple of David Yarrow pieces already as well in my oh, home. No I brought this summer. So it's kind of a weird little coincidence, actually. And um, so it was pretty cool to meet him uh, and be there and see kind of how he works and operates. And uh, But, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something like that. Uh, Hosa is obviously an all-time great player, not just for organization, but for the league. And um, that was a pretty awesome experience. That's, that's very cool and almost like a little serendipitous. Uh, that it happened that way because I, I think the Hawks did a really good job of showing his preparation of taking that picture, kind of like making the room quiet and explaining what he wanted. Uh, do you feel like his his pictures before had had drawn to you? Like what what pictures do you have of his already that you've enjoyed? Um, so I have uh, it's called Marvel. It's a picture of a Black Panther kind of in the wild, kind of a face up shot of it. Um, I got that this summer, and then I have a Wolf of Wall Street one. So like Jordan Belfort's in it. Um, there's like a wolf on the counter. So he does a lot of animal stuff. Um, and it's pretty neat to see. You know, obviously we didn't have any, any animals there at the shoot. It would have been pretty sweet. But um, we were on the boat. The city was in the background. Um, and then it actually, we were putting fake snow on ourselves and all over our face. But it actually starts snowing outside, too. So it was kind of just like a cool... Um, a cool thing that happened there um, and the atmosphere just around it was was pretty cool but um, yeah David Yarrow to see how he operates was uh, it was quick it was efficient uh, and he knew what he wanted and he wasn't sh- shy to tell you you know how to stand or move this arm here because uh, obviously he's the pro yeah do you have a copy of the picture or when you do where, where's uh, it going we're all getting copies yeah. we're all getting copies uh, it's going to stay here for sure yeah. uh, you know I got a, a place in Dallas but I think I want to keep it here. Uh, it's you know, obviously, it'll probably be a black and white print, and uh, it feels like more of a Chicago vibe, you know. Yeah. Uh, Chicago I mean, like vibe. where in your apartment? Oh, where? I don't know. It's got to be somewhere everyone can see it. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be a cool piece. I don't know how big it's going to be, but um, it's definitely going to go in, uh, in a main area. Nice. Last one, Seth. Um, it's kind of an up and down past couple of weeks for your brother, but a lot of learning stages, and it seems like you two have had such a good conversation. Um, transparency with each other how has your relationship grown with him on and off the ice over this past year and a half well we've been really close off the ice so it hasn't you know it hasn't grown much there but uh, you know on the ice it's been it's been a learning curve i think for both of us to play with each other um, you know we're so used to barking at each other all the time and um, telling each other this and that i think it's good that you know, he sees me play bad games, and you know, because we're watching each other on TV in the past, and we don't get to see all our shifts and up close and personal, and um, to see you know him go through ups and downs, myself go through ups and downs. Uh, it's kind of nice to get that feel with each other, um, and then just some pointers here and there. You know, he tells me some stuff, I tell him some stuff. 
Um, so we have that open communication, which is good. Sometimes, you, you know, you get mad at each other, but it is what it is. We're brothers and uh, we're teammates more. Well, we're, we're teammates, but we're brothers more importantly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I had that backward there for a second. No, for sure. All right, that's Seth Jones. Seth, thanks so much for the insight today. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll have more Blackhawks Live coming up next. One last stop on Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand. We've got Jack Heinrich spinning the dials beyond the glass. This next segment is sponsored by the Comment Energy Efficiency Program, and it's bringing us to the business of hockey. I have a confession to make. The reverse retro jerseys the Blackhawks have... They've grown on me. They've definitely grown on me. I was not a fan at first, but once you get to see the entire team skate out on the ice with them, I was more of a fan, and also I appreciate the old-school look of it a little bit more. Um, So they have grown on me. I know that that might not be the popular opinion. Twitter has already exposed their thoughts on it. But, um, yeah, if you are a fan or maybe just a little bit more open-minded about those jerseys, go ahead and check out Blackhawks.com for it. Uh, From the 773 area code, chiming in, a disallowed goal from a high stick is not a penalty. Striking another player with a high stick is a two-minute minor. Yes, you're right. Thank you, 773. I don't know if I had implied that that's what I was saying. Those two different those two different kinds of high sticks would lead to penalties. Uh, of course, it's not a penalty unless you make contact with somebody. Um, but again, I, I just never knew specifically the difference between a high stick when the stick is above the shoulder, connecting with the puck, and creating a play that can later on get overturned, and then a high stick when it connects with the puck above the crossbar, and the puck directly goes into the net. Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times was talking about a scenario, I think last year, where there was a situation like that. There was a player with a stick above the crossbar, but he made contact with the puck below his shoulder, and it went off the goalie and into the net. And it was disallowed because it hit off the goalie. If it had just gone straight into the net it would have been a good goal because it was below the crossbar. It was just it was very complicated and again I, I I am very surprised that the NHL has that rule so gray. It just seems like it would make a lot more sense if it was very universal and both would be a high sticking infraction to disallow a goal. Again, not a high sticking penalty with which I hope I wasn't saying earlier and uh Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun Times brought up well maybe that's because it's easier to understand where your stick is in terms of the crossbar when you're right in front of the net, and then when you're away from the net, it's easier to know where your stick is compared to your shoulder. But again, I just think it would make it easier for everyone to just keep it very universal. Because again, the whole point of a high stick uh, to disallow high sticking is so people aren't flailing their sticks around up in the air. Hey, by the way, today is Giving Tuesday. Marquette Bank wants to remind you to support local nonprofits and organizations in your community. Like Together We Cope in Tinley Park. Listen to WGN Radio all day today and visit emarquettebank.com slash give to join with Marquette Bank to support local causes. Remember, because you choose to bank with Marquette Bank. Good things happen in our neighborhoods. Marquette Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, love where you bank. Blackhawks' next game is on Wednesday against the Edmonton Oilers. That's tomorrow night. I know tonight's show of Blackhawks Live lands on a Tuesday, so I'm getting a little thrown out of sorts. Jack, you were actually, were you at the game the last time they played Edmonton? Were you covering yeah, that game? the hat trick. 
<laughs> the Connor McDavid hat trick. Yes, yes. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a fun, competitive, not equal game, but the Blackhawks know how to play against good opponents. It just yeah. sometimes doesn't come out every night. Yeah, I mean, they're struggling now. And that game against Edmonton, I mean, they battled back and they were right there with them. That's when they were playing pretty good at the beginning of the year. But them getting behind, I think, is really hurting them early, giving up that first goal. Anthony Sio's no goal, I think, hurt them on Sunday. And, um, kind of changed the momentum of that game and then the floodgates just opened. I haven't seen something like that in a while in that second period. All those goals they gave up. Definitely sucked the life out of the building yeah. a little bit when uh, Athens CU's goal got overturned. Yeah, it's, uh, what is it, seven or eight straight games with, the, Black- seven. Yeah, with yeah. the Blackhawks have given up the first goal of the game and that kind of leads it right there to a seven-game winless streak. Uh, yeah, it could it could be very different if they're able to sh- score first against Edmonton. It's it's not a slam dunk for a win or anything like that. But but it is fun when these talented, strong teams mm-hmm. come into town and the Blackhawks give them a game. So again, hopefully that is going to be the case tomorrow. Yeah, and they national TV adds a little yeah. something else to it as well. So you want to perform well. And I, I like Richardson switching it up. You were saying earlier in the year he's very patient with his lines, and I think he's very patient. But when you're on a losing streak like this, you got to shake things up and Getting Kane and Taze back together might be a little bit of fun going against Dreisaitl and McDavid. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The fact that Luke Richardson has been so patient about switching up lines that you know that he's really needing to get things going right now when he's finally biting the bullet and saying, okay, let's put Taves and Kane on the same line. You had a pretty busy Sunday, huh? Yeah, running all over the place, producing here, doing some camera work, producing Hawks game from the station, so it's all all fun. What what was the rundown from morning to... Uh, worked Dean Richardson here, eight to twelve. Went to Chicago State, did camera um, from about eleven thirty to two, then came back here to the Hawks game. That's Jack Heinrich. He is uh, quite quite the uh, burner of the midnight oil. All right, Jack. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's Jack Heinrich. He's our producer. Big thanks to Seth Jones and the Blackhawks for making that work as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow night when the Blackhawks host Edmonton. Thanks for listening to Blackhawks Live seven twenty WGN.